Hello again, everybody. It's Ken Meyer. Welcome to City Talk. And uh, I have a very interesting guest, a gentleman that I've always wanted to meet and sit down and talk to. And I'm sure the name Mark Rosenthal must mean something to all of you because he used to be a weatherman on Channel 5. And if anybody wanted to know about the weather, he was one of the people that you would watch. And now he is here as a guest in our studios. So Mark Rosenthal, it's a pleasure to meet you because I used to play your weather forecasts <laughs> when I worked at WEI Radio That's and did the Radio Classics ago. program. Oh, Radio Classics with Doug Steffen. <laughs> yes, Doug Steffen hired me at oh, WEI. Sure. What was that back in nineteen, the early 1980s, right? Am I yeah, right? around 1985. Right. Yep, that's right. Boy, I was still a young man there. So Ken. was I. <laughs> <laughs> and you got started in the business a year after I did. Well, sure. I started actually in... Um, I think it was um, July of 1972. You know, I was talking to Bob Copeland. Bob Copeland was at the old WHDH radio in Boston for many years, and then he left. Mm -hmm. And they put this other fellow on. I think his name was Earl Weaver. And I was really bummed out that Copeland was gone because I started watching him when I was eight years old. Wow. And then, oh, crazy, right? And then That's one, amazing. Yeah. And then one day I saw he was back on the air. I was so excited when they became WCVB-TV in March of 1972. That I called him up and I said, hey, Bob Copeland, you don't know me. My name is Mark Rosenthal. I live in Newton, Mass. I've been watching you forever. I'm so glad to see you back on the air. I'd love to come down and, you know, meet you. He goes, absolutely. So I went down there. By then, you know, my hair was down on my shoulder. So I had really <laughs> long hair. I just told him, I said, watch out. My hair is really long. Oh, it's not a problem. Come on in. So I went down to see him and I talked to him. He was really nice. And it was so awesome to be in that in that newsroom with a buzz and everything. And I said, geez, you know, do you need any help? He goes, yeah, Mark. He goes, that, you know, that would be great. So he gave me like an internship. And of course, Channel 5 back then was too cheap. They, they weren't going to pay me. <laughs> so he used to pay me $10 a week out of his pocket. Oh, and he wow. had this old beat up Pontiac Le Mans car. So <laughs> he used to let me go out on dates when my parents wouldn't let me have the car. And I would, I would go out on my date. I'd drive the car back to him after the 11 o'clock news. He would drive me home. Now, which came first, the fascination of radio and television or weather? Oh, no, it was definitely weather. It was definitely weather. I mean, of course, radio and TV was the medium of which I could enjoy my craft, but also I could enjoy my craft by just being out of doors and looking at the elements and then seeing <laughs> people on TV that were excited about it as I were talking about it fascinated me. I just, I don't know why. I just, I just loved it. I loved the storms. I liked the floods. I loved the snow in the wintertime. And then I started watching these guys and I was just, of course, Don Kent. Yep. I watched Don Kent when I was a little kid and he was really into it. Yep. And it was awesome. It was great. I knew Kent. I used to see Kent and Jack Chase every day. Oh, yeah? At five in the morning. They'd oh, yeah. always get together for coffee. And I used to work for a character named Glick whom you may have heard of. Oh, yes. First name, Larry? <laughs> Larry, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I used to see them every day and uh, say hello to them. They'd always go up in the cafeteria and have a cup of coffee before they started work. And two nicer guys you couldn't find. Oh, no, I know. They were they great. Were you know, there was real old, old time TV, you know, before all the flash and dash and all the empty calories of the media took hold many, many years later. But I used to wake up early as a kid and watch, you know, Daily Almanac at quarter seven with Jack Chase and Don Kent. Yep. And they used to have this guy on, and I'm sure you'll know who he is. He was the salad master guy, Chris Nahitas. Oh, yeah. And I got friendly with him with my wife many, many, many years later. We used to go to a place in New Hampshire, and we used to have dinner at the 1785 Inn up in Jackson. 
And we met them one night, and then we became friends. I haven't seen him since, but, you know, he was nice. He bought us dinner a couple of times, and he was a real salesman. He really taught me some stuff about sales. I was always fascinated by him. When I wanted to get into the radio business, I, I was fascinated with radio since I was eight or nine years old. Okay. And when I decided I wanted it as a career, mm -hmm. everybody said, you have to go to a radio school mm -hmm. because then when you get out, you'll know stuff that they won't have to show you. Right. What did you do what did, as what, far as education well, was concerned? Well, I'm mostly self-taught. I went to school for about a year. Um, I went to school at a place called Linden State College in Lindenville, Vermont, way up by the Canadian border. But I hated school. I <laughs> hated school, very rebellious, self-taught. So starting in 1972, I would go to Channel 5 every day, including weekends. And Bob Copeland and then meteorologist at the time there, Bob Ryan, yep. uh, took me under their wings and they taught me everything about weather. And then I read a gazillion books and they taught me and I just learned the craft on my own. I wouldn't tell anybody to do that today because I think it's probably best to get a formal, you know, background in it. But I've learned so much. And uh, Bob Copeland was an unbelievable weather forecaster. And he took time over so many years to teach me everything. So I was very lucky. But then, as I said, I read so many books on my own and technical stuff. And now, of course, you can go online. There's so many, so much information online. And when I was a kid, when I started at Channel 5 in 1972, you know, the crazy thing was, we had two things that we could get information on. We had a fax machine, an old clunky fax machine <laughs> that print out these big die fax weather maps. And we had like a teletype that would print out raw observations, forecasts, you know, weather bureau, you know, discussions. But when you left the station and you went home, you had no information, none. You were shut out. You could be in a raging blizzard. Unless you went back to the station, you were shut out of data. So for me, having grown up that way and now being able to do everything I want to from my home office, it's it's two different worlds. I'm so appreciative of it. Oh yeah, technology has come a long, long way. Right. So, are you? Do you have or own the title of meteorologist? Well, I do. I got my American Meteorological Seal of Approval many, many years ago. <laughs> so, right. I mean, I don't have a formal degree. I will say I don't, but I, I have 46 years' experience forecasting weather. I, uh, that's not bad. <laughs> that, that's very good. You probably do it a lot better than I could. Well, I don't know about that. We we were both in an era when each television station in Boston had their own local talk shows. Right. Uh, Are you talking about TV or radio? TV. Okay. I'm talking about Paul Benzaquin on mm -hmm. Channel 7. That's right, right. I'm talking about Sonia Hamlin with People Are Talking, mm -hmm. or as Tom Bergeron used to say, People Are Squawking, <laughs> and Channel 5 had the Good Day Show. Right. And you never knew who you would meet when you would go into work. That's great. I love that. I remember being at Channel 5 and, you know, being involved in that and seeing people on, on the Good Day show with Janet Langhardt and John right. Willis mm -hmm. for many, many years. It was all, But it was fun. You know why? Because it was real local TV back then with real local programming. And Channel 5 did so much local programming back, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. They did Chronicle. They did This House. They did so many. I, I forget the names of them. Of, of the other programs, but they did they did five all night live all night with oh, George yeah. Fennell and George Matt Siegel, Fennell, yeah, right. I mean, we're going back yep. a long time. Yep, yep. So, but I mean, I can remember going into <clears throat> excuse me going into work, and somebody would say to me, "Hey, Vincent Price is in the lobby." 
Yeah, isn't that really? Cool? Yeah, it's not yeah, awesome. Don't let them leave. Yeah. Did you did you get a chance to meet and rub elbows with any celebrities? I'm trying to think who I met there. I think I met Sam Donaldson. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I met. Uh, you know something? I used to fill in when I was at Channel Five in the late '90s. I would fill in on Good Morning America for Spencer Christian for about a year and a half. Boy, there's a name I haven't heard. In oh, a while. he's still doing weather out in San Francisco. He's Is a great he guy. Really? He's yeah. a great guy. He's an yeah. awesome guy. And, um, you know, it's a funny story how I got started with him. I was doing – but, you know, Mr. Copeland, Bob Copeland had retired <laughs> and I got his job for about a year. And I remember I was doing a weather forecast live on Marathon Monday out in Hopkinton. Huh. So we were there and I did my forecast all morning and noon. And then at 12.30, I wanted to get out of there. He said, well, you can't just leave because the roads are blocked. He said, ah, oh, come on. I'm tired. I've been up since 2 o'clock in the morning. I want to go home. <laughs> they said, well, you know, Spencer Christian's over there and he's got his whole crew from New York. He said, you should talk to him. And maybe he'll, you know, give you a ride back close to your house because you live in Newton and the airport's on the way right off of, you know, the Mass Pike. And maybe they'll do that. So I had had, you know, Spencer on the new news with me and we were doing a little back and forth. So I said, hey, Spencer, any chance your crew's leaving? They give me a ride. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. <laughs> so I jumped in the big limo with him and all these people from New York going back towards Logan Airport. So, I, you know, I, I never knew Spencer Christian. I got a real chance to spend some time and talk to him. What a down-to-earth, great guy he was. And I said, you know, I just threw this out to him. I said, gee, I'd, you know, I'd love to fill in for you sometime. He goes, send me a tape. Send me a tape. I said, really? He goes, yeah, you know, you never know. <laughs> so anyway, this was like, so then months went by, months and months and months and months, and I never heard anything. And then we were in the middle of a snowstorm in January. And I was in early in the morning helping, you know, the whole team out and doing weather cut-ins with them. And somebody came into the... Uh, Weather officer says, hey, Mark, would you be willing to do some, you know, cut-ins for Good Morning America live out in the field? And I said, sure. So they threw me out in front of the station, the blinding snowstorm. <laughs> you know, and I'm doing cut-ins and Charlie, you know, Gibson and Joan London yep. are talking yep. in my ear. Well, we got Mark Rosenthal live from Boston. Hey, Mark, what's going on there this morning? <laughs> so we went back and forth. I must have done four or five of them. And so at the end of the show, in my earpiece, there's this guy that said, Hello, Mark. Can you hear me? My name is Kevin. I'm the producer from New York. He goes, could you do me a favor? Could you call me later on? I want to talk to you. I said, sure. So I call him up and go, hey, Kevin, what's going on? He goes, you did a fantastic job. He goes, how would you like to come fill in for Spencer Christian? I said, I would love to. He has my tape. Why don't you watch it? He goes, okay, I will. A few days later, I get a call back. Loved your tape. He goes, and then a few weeks later, they called me up and he said, hey, Mark, it's Kevin in New York. You know, Spencer's going on vacation. How would you like to fill in for a week? So they would fly me down to New York and put me up in a great hotel and give me uh, like a clothing and food expense. And you were done with work at nine o'clock and you can go yep. hang out in New York for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. A lot yeah. of fun. Not a bad not a bad way to no, spend a week. It was great. You, you never know what's what's going to happen. You just don't. No, I was very lucky, Ken. I was very lucky in my whole career. I had a lot of nice things happen to me. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I got a chance to work on radio at WMCA in New York City. Oh, did you really? For two or three days. Oh, yeah. How I was wound, that? I wound up doing a show. With the editor of Newsweek magazine from 6 to 7 o'clock. Wow. And filling in for a guy named Bob Grant mm -hmm. uh, from 4 until 6 and then and then doing the show with with uh, the David Alpern, 
who was the editor of Newsweek magazine. Nice. From six to seven o'clock, and I, I was, I was scared because I don't, I, I'm not good at discussing politics on the air. And why? I, I, why? I, I don't know. Why you don't, you don't like to talk about politics? No, I'm not a politically oriented person. Well, you're probably better off. <laughs> but, but they said, you know, just guide him in and out for the commercial breaks. Right. And I said, well, I can do that. So I did, and David and I stayed in touch for about a year after I did it. But I never knew that I would wind up hosting a show with the editor of Newsweek magazine on a, on a New York radio station. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, it's great. You know, once you get the bug in you, being in the media, being on the air or producing or whatever, it's a real buzz. It's a real rush. If you really love it, you know, you can do a lot of different things. Oh, absolutely. And you That's... meet a lot of very interesting people. I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly, as they say. <laughs> I've met some fascinating people in this business. And, uh, geez, I guess I'm working on my 47th year doing this now. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've been in the business since 1971. Okay. So, so you have me beat by a year. I, only only a year. But I'm sure we could sit here and tell stories. Oh, I'm sure we could. Fascinating. <laughs> yes. I, I will tell you one quick one. Okay. Even though this is your interview. No, no. Go I'll for it. I love one, it. No. One quick You're one. the star. You're the mayor. I, I'm just here visiting. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready to leave the station one night, oh. and there was a lady out in the lobby. And she said, do you work here? And I said, yeah. And she said, what do you do? And I told her who I produced for and everything else. And I, all the time I'm thinking, God, I know that voice, but I don't know who it is. Right. And finally I couldn't stand it. And I said, ma'am, I, I apologize, but I should know who you are and I don't. Right. And please forgive my ignorance, but would you please tell me who you are? And sure. she said, I'm Marlo Thomas. No way. Exactly. Oh, I always had a crush on her. Yeah. She was so pretty. And all I could think to say to her oh. was, I loved your father. <laughs> you know? What's Phil Donahue really oh, like? Oh, God. That's so funny. You know, it's so funny because she reminds me of an old girlfriend that I had when I was 20 years old from New York. <laughs> she looked just like her. And mm -hmm. I was so in love with this woman. I was 20 years old and she was 26. And I met her. She called me up. She, I was at Channel 5 in these days, in those days rather. And she said, hi, my name is Marsha Blau. I'm from New York. I'm an actress and I'm in Boston. I have to do this weather show. I have to do like this acting part. Do you have any weather maps? So she came down to the station. I showed her the maps. The next thing I know, I'm asking her out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny, though. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about every – you and I were both around in the blizzard of 78. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I'm sure there are many, many stories. I They just told me, don't come in. Stay home. No, you – I was home for a week. No, Okay. No, so tell me where, where you were working then. I was working at BZ at the time. Okay. Um, and I was working for Larry Glick. Okay. And I heard all these weather forecasts about the, you know, all this bad stuff that was going to come. And I called the station. And I talked to our program director, and I said, "Listen, do you?" This was like at three in the afternoon. And I said, "Do you want me to come in?" And he said, "No." He said, "You just stay home. Just stay home and stay warm." And uh -huh. little did I ever dream that I would be home for a whole week. I don't get out. That was unbelievable. Oh my goodness! I mean, I remember. I was doing radio back then in 1978. I was working with Bob Copeland, and he was away. And I remember I was on the radio. I, we, actually, I was talking to Harvey Leonard. Harvey Leonard, oh, yeah. a friend of mine. He was at Channel 7 in those days. 
and we, we had like two two computer models back then. That was it. I said, Harvey, can you believe what what <laughs> this is showing? This is showing a mammoth blizzard. Boy, can, the potential is unbelievable <laughs> with a storm stalling south of us and hurricane force winds. And we had a new moon, the potential for devastating high tides. And we're going back and forth, back and forth. Of course, he was on TV that Friday night, and I was on radio over the weekend. And then that Sunday, I was at Channel Five. And I said, "She's. I'm going to give. I'm going to give Sunday Open House. And Sunday Open House was a locally produced show. And Sony Hamlin, Frank Average were the host. So I went down to the office and I said, you know, hi, I'm Mark Rosenthal. I said, would you, you know, put this in Cairo? I meaning write it up and you know put it on the air for me. And I was going for heavy snow, a foot or more, northeast gales over 50 miles an hour. And they put it on the air. And a week later, Sonia Hamlin comes into my office. She goes, are you Mark Rosenthal? I said, yes. She says, are you the young man that gave us that forecast of the blizzard? I said, yes. She goes, how would you like to come on Sunday Open House next weekend and talk about the forecast and what you saw? And I'm scared out of my gourd, scared and excited. I'm going to be on TV. I was 23 years old. I said, jeez, I've always wanted to be on TV. So the week came. And I was on, and I remember standing in front of that camera with Frank Averouge. And I, and back in those days, I smoked a pipe. Uh-huh. And I could smoke my pipe on TV. And I remember puffing away at the pipe. And the red light goes on the camera. The floor director goes, stand by. And bing, you're on the air. And Frank Averouge says, welcome back to Sunday Open House, everyone. I'm Frank Averouge, along with Mark Rosenthal, one of the people that called the Blizzard 78. Mark, what did you see? And back in those days, way before the computer, we had real maps <laughs> that we used on TV. Paper maps, a mm-hmm. national map, and a New England map that you could actually draw on and point to while you're on TV. Anyway, so I'm drawing on this national map and I'm my heart's racing. I thought I was going to pass out, but somehow I got through the deal. And ever since then, I've been hooked on doing TV. And how long did you do Channel 5? I was at Channel 5. I was there for 30 years, from 1972 to 2002, before they fired me and hired a young lady. <laughs> ah, that's what I wondered. And I, you know, People are there for, I mean, people leave for various reasons. Yeah, well, I didn't really want to leave. But I didn't, you really didn't want to leave. No, no, I would, you know, without getting too political. No, they wanted to hire a woman. And the news director who was there at the time really wasn't a big fan of mine. And, you know, it's a very subjective people. Some people could love you and some people, they don't could like you, and, you yeah. and not love you. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it's really, you can, it's either a good lottery or a bad lottery, depending what side you're on at that particular moment. How long did it take for you to get your life back together again? I'm I mean, still working on it. Must have been devastating. Oh, I was. I mean, I yeah, it was really one of the hardest things that I went through in my life. But you know, the other side, I have to look at it. I said, look, Mark, you are blessed. You got a good run. You got to do what you wanted to do for 30 years at a place you really wanted to be. You met some great weather people. Bob Copeland became like my surrogate dad. My real dad died in 1974 when I was 18. And Bob became like, he was my best friend, my boss, my brother, my father. I mean, it was a crazy kind of relationship that I had with him. But I was blessed to work with him. And of course, Dick Albert, God rest his soul. He came in 1978 after the blizzard actually in August of 1978. We became great friends for 25 years and worked every day closely together. And he was so nice to me. So if Bob taught me about the weather aspect of the business, it was Dick Albert that really showed me how to do TV. He would take me in the studio and he would say, Mark, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to tell you to do this. And you're going to walk out in front of the camera. You're going to take a step. And even though you think you might be over the top, you're not. And he would go back and forth and spend all this time with me. He was phenomenal. And so I, I had a lot of good people that I worked with and and. You know, it's really in those days working at a TV station 
the people became part of your family. Today, it's just a business, from what I understand. But yeah. well, you yeah. know, no, but, I think but, you're right. Right, but th- there was really a tight, tight family. People on and off the air really bonded. We used to have these great summer parties at Blue Hill Country Club that Channel 5 would pay for. And then in the wintertime, we'd have great Christmas parties at the station. Ah, and yeah, those it, Christmas it, parties. Yep, yeah, I yep. know them well. And so you got to bond <laughs> with people, and you worked with them every day. I mean, mm-hmm. you would – and I was there every single day, always, 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 whether I was on TV or not, always behind the scenes, doing radio, helping out. I wanted to. I loved it. I will throw out some names just to sure. get a reaction, like Chet and Natalie, oh, for instance. Oh, you give me the chills. Chet and Natalie were always so nice to me, and Chet was great. He used to call me Weather Freak because my hair was really long. <laughs> <laughs> and he would always say to me, Weather Freak, listen to me. Don't ever believe your own press. <laughs> he was a really down-to-earth guy. And he, he took me flying once in his plane, and it was, we flew, I think, to Nantucket, or where we flew to. He was really – they both Chet and Nat loved Nantucket. And uh, he, Chet was just, he was the superstar, but he was a down-to-earth guy. And later in life, when I left Channel 5 and I went to New England Cable News for 11 years, he was also there. So I mm-hmm. got to work with him again. And uh, he was just, I just can't say enough about him. And Natalie was always very nice to me, but I think, you know, I was closer to Chet. Although I will say this, when when one of my kids w- was w- was born, Natalie got my wife, Marcia, a private room in one of the hospitals. Oh, I don't wow. know how she did that. So she, they were very nice to us. They really were. Don Gillis. Don Gillis was another great guy. When I met Copeland in 1972, I used to go to the makeup room with these guys before they would go on the air at 6 o'clock talking to Copeland. And Don Gillis would bounce in and comb his hair and put on his makeup and I'd be talking to him. And just another down-to-earth guy. Great guy. Great voice. Great presence. Has, you know, was in the Boston market for so many years. You think of him and you think of somebody like, you know, Kurt, Kurt Gowdy. The same, the same genre. You know, the same you know, generation. Mm-hmm. So with the same, you know, richness of Boston sports, it was awesome. I was, I mean, I'm so lucky. I got to be in TV in its heyday versus coming in today with all the technology and all the, you know, glitz and glamour and the empty calories to it. This was when journalism was real journalism, mm-hmm. you know. How much does the Internet hurt you? Oh, no, for me, it's helped me. I mean, people say, oh, I can go online or I can get an app on my phone and get the weather forecast. And I said, hey, that's great. But I said, let me tell you something that you don't understand. And most people don't care about this. I said, when you get the final product of a, of a weather forecast on your phone, I said, it's they're, they're just using grid points and looking at one computer model for that area code and spitting out a forecast. I said, there's much more that goes into forecasting the weather than that. But you don't know that. So it's all buffed and polished. and You think it's great. But it's full of empty calories. You don't, I mean, to really come up with a weather forecast, you have to look at so much data. And then you come up with your forecast. Mm-hmm. I said, but they've just dumped it down to empty calories as we live in a tabloid society. Yeah. I, the one thing I admire about you and someone said the same thing to me is I love your enthusiasm for the business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's natural. I just love it. And, you know, Dickie was the same way. I mean, just we just loved it. It was just it was no put on. It was just like so excited to look at the weather and do the weather. And then, of course, TV and radio is a platform to get out there and speak about it. Yeah. Now, you talk about Spencer Christian. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to meet Jonathan Coleman. Oh, John Coleman was a great guy. John Coleman with a big voice. Yeah, right. Uh, now, here's the local forecast. Yeah, and some of my favorite towns. Oh, that's right. John, yeah. He just died recently, and he was the guy that put the Weather Channel together. Ah. He was great. He was awesome. In the Weather Channel, I think when it started in 1980 or so, was really weather. 
There was, I mean, it was the real deal. They had real meteorologists that really loved the weather and did real weather. And then over oh, the years passed, he sold it. You know, it was a landmark corporation. He sold it and then they really dumbed it down. Now it's empty calories. But I just remember seeing him within the last, was it the last year or two before he died? He was doing an interview on TV and they were talking to him about global warming. And, you know, the commentators are coming at him saying, you know, there's global warming. Blah, blah, blah. And John would say, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, I'm talking now. You you had me on this program. Let me tell you I'm a real scientist and there's no global warming and I'm going to tell you why. And he would go right at this guy with a big booming voice and intimidating elements to him. I loved it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice man. Very he is. Nice He's man. smart. Back in those days when it wasn't as sophisticated as far as equipment mm -hmm. is concerned mm -hmm. now, did you guys make a lot of mistakes? No, 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 no because back then we really did the basics of understanding, you know, weather in, in basic forecasting, uh, which is probably, we're probably better at it than we are now. Well, I mean, certainly the computer models help us and we have a better understanding of some of the elements now, the interaction between ocean and atmosphere, El Nino, La Nina, uh, what goes on in the stratosphere, ocean temperature fluctuations, storms on the sun. There's so much more we know that we can put into understanding longer-range forecasting and using analogs and things like that. And a lot of it really works well. It's not infallible. It's still meteorology. It's still an inexact science. But we've come a long way. Now, they're talking about, as at least as of yesterday, they were talking about Two or three storms next week. Well, there's the storm threat next week. I mean, there's at least one, and that would be late Tuesday and Wednesday. And one of the models that I saw gave us a foot of snow, and the Canadian model brought it out to say, I'm still waiting as of this hour to look at the European model and see what that's housed. But, you know, this is only Friday, and we're talking about a storm that's going to happen Tuesday, Wednesday. It's still four to five days away, and anything can happen. But we've been in this pattern because of what's gone on in the stratosphere, we've had a sudden st stratospheric warming. And when the stratosphere warms, the lower layers of the atmosphere cools. And we also have some blocking high pressure over Greenland. And that forces the jet stream to go south of us. And the storms then go south of us. And we've got cold air in place. And lots of interesting things can happen. Was 2015 the worst winter you can remember? Well, I'll tell you, it's an interesting question because for two-thirds of the winter, I didn't think we were going to have a winter. <laughs> you know, I mean, November, December, January until late January, and then all of a sudden we flipped into it. And for about six weeks, we got crushed. I yep. love that. That was awesome. Yep. That was yep. fun. I remember I talked to somebody who was unemployed, and she said to me, I've never been so happy to be unemployed in my entire life yeah. because it was so bad. I mean, I, I remember one day I took the ride into work, and it took me three hours oh, yeah. to get in from oh, yeah. West Roxbury to get yeah. into City Hall. Yeah. And I can remember my driver saying, I can see the building. I can see it. Oh, I can see it, but Amazing. I can't get there. Right. Well, you know, suddenly here's the other interesting thing, and I, don't, I we don't really need to get into it unless you want to, but – you know, the kind of weather that we've had, we've seen all before, and some people want to attribute it to global warming, this and that. And I, I'm so not into that. I just think that's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> I just think that everything we've seen in the last 10 or 15 years is nothing new. We've seen it all before. We'll see it all again. As I say to people, and they say, you don't believe in climate change? You don't believe in global warming? And I say, no. Why don't you show me and why don't you tell me any place in the earth, in the globe, where the climate has permanently changed? 
You have all the extremes that make up the norms. Everything horrific is a hit and run. It comes, it goes. Mother Nature's always trying to find a way to balance herself out. It's always been that way. That's the way it is now. But the media takes stuff and money and grants and politics come in and it's a big bowl of wrong. That's just my point of view. There's a lot of much smarter meteorologists out there with their PhDs that are sold that the climate's changing and there's global warming. And I'm saying, all right, you're certainly entitled to your opinion. I don't see it. Back in those earlier days, did we have still have weather like a a seventy degree day in January? Absolutely. And, sure. You or, remember when Don Kent was on the air? He used to come on and go, "Thank you, Gary. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> We're looking at the January thaw with temperatures <laughs> in the sixties and low seventies in southern New England and warm southwest winds, but cold <laughs> is building again in southern Canada." And, you know, sure. I mean, I can remember so back in the early sixties, we went through the same thing. We used, to, we used to have horrific snowstorms. I mean, even think of, I mean, not that long ago in New York City, it was a blizzard of 1888. Was it global warming then? <laughs> well, what about the Galveston hurricane of, ni- of 1900? I mean, was there global warming then? And Hurricane Camille that hit the Gulf Coast in 19, 1969 with 200 mile an hour winds. Were we talking about global warming then? No, mm-hmm. but we're, when we're in the winter of 77, 78, and the blizzard of 78, and before that, the pure cold that came in all winter and froze the Great Lakes and all the snow, and they had buffalo. Was there global warming? No, they were talking about the little ice age coming. <laughs> but then there was the next trend after we got out of that 25 years, alleged global warming. So, I mean, I've, I haven't seen it all, but I've seen enough to, to be dangerous, you know? <laughs> yeah. What for you is the, the most memorable, I would guess, that the blizzard yeah. of 78 oh. for you was the most memorable oh, I love that. weather so, experience. Yes, that was a great storm. I remember forecasting it and being with Bob Copeland up in the weather office that Monday morning waiting for the snow to arrive and looking at radar. We had really archaic radar pictures, black and white back then. And I said, Kobe, is it ever going to start snowing? We're looking at the local. He goes, yeah, it's coming. All of a sudden at noon, the, the visibility went from like over five miles to zero outside our weather. In those days, we had an office. I beg your pardon. We had a window outside the weather office or in the weather office that we could really see real-time weather before we went into a fishbowl downstairs in the newsroom. But uh, yeah, we saw it coming. And then uh, that was unbelievable. I remember I left that night to go home and I lived just a few miles away. And I came back at about 9 o'clock. It was snowing so hard. The only way that I could see was to turn off the headlights on my car. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was unbelievable. I've never driven through snow like that. It must have been snowing at the rate of three to four inches an hour. A total whiteout. Yeah. And I'm in my mom's Grand Prix. She had this beautiful black Grand Prix. She was in Florida. I blew out the transmission in that storm. Of course, I had to pay for that. But, uh, <laughs> you know. but I came back into the newsroom and Gene Pell, I don't know if you remember Gene yes, Pell. Yes, I remember Gene Big, Pell. Big, booming voice. Goes, yes. You were out there. Yes. It's amazing. You used to you work for American back. Forces Radio at uh, one point. Oh, yeah. Yes, I remember Gene Pell very well. Yeah, Big guy, big voice. You yep. know, we used to talk. People would say to him, is that your real voice? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But the media in Boston, since I have been here, I have seen at least three radio stations go under. Uh When I came to Boston, you had WEEI, WRKO, Mm -hmm. WHDH, Mm -hmm. and WBZ, and they all had full news staff. And WMEX. And WMEX. Right. Now there's only one. Is that depressing to you? It is to me. It is, well, because you know something in the olden days, back, you know, in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s, a lot of radio stations, you know, were independently owned. And then you had some big companies 
that bought all of them there. I think there are three major players that bought all the radio stations that became very homogenized. And you lost um, a lot of the individuality, individual elements that made radio so great. You know, it, it, it all sounded the same, you know. And, um, you know, the society changed, the music changed, people changed, and it was too bad. I think we lost a lot of depth to it. You know, the days of WBCN and Charles Laquadera, yep. the days of, you know, WHCH and Jess Kane or BZ and Dave Maynard. Yep. You know, I you don't really have that. I mean, you've had Lord and Wally, I guess, on which once was, and I was on that radio station for years, WVBF, and then oh, they okay. became WROR. And Lauren and Wally hung out there for many years, 30 years. Lauren's yep. still there. Wally retired. Yep. They still use his name. Yep. Um, but in Matt Siegel, who's been on KISS. But after that, you don't really have any mainstays anymore. Just out of curiosity, did you ever work with Bonnie Cameron? Bonnie who Cameron, who was the weather person from WSI or from Weather Services Incorporated. I used to hear about her. I never worked with her. She was pretty and nice and she was good on the air. Um, they actually did WEI radio before uh, we did it at Channel 5. So they were there with Joe Zona. You remember Joe Zona? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, I know that yeah, name. He was a good guy. Yep. And um, yeah, those are the good old days. All right. Sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you, and maybe I'm very naive, mm-hmm. but I was very upset when I heard about Matt Lauer. Oh, did that? Did that it bothers me. Yeah, I mean, you know, thing. It's really interesting. It almost seemed like, and this stuff obviously has been going on for a long time. I mean, it's obviously been going on. Something triggered people, like they do in society, to say enough. And when, when the match hit the ground, boy, there was a lot of places that started popping. People, Bill O'Reilly, yep. Matt Lauer, Weinstein. I mean, it just you go on and on and on and on with all these names. Everything was like falling. All these people in high visibility places, celebrities, news people, were getting busted left and right. I guess this has been going on forever. And but and I understand. I think it's terrible. But my fear is, I, I think some people want to take it over the top, and there's been latent anger, and it's almost like it's like you become like an ambulance chaser. Like, oh, they, you know, they got on board with this, and they got the notoriety, they got money, they got blah, 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 blah. I wonder how much, if any of that, plays into it. I, I get upset when I hear stories that Matt Lauer had a button under his desk to lock the, yeah. his office oh, door. No. But, I, but you know something, but then can I say it's not about sex, it's about power. Matt Lauer is a good-looking guy. He could probably get any woman that he wants within reason if he just wants to have sex with somebody. So it's not just about having sex with someone, but the sex is used as a power over somebody. Because, t- look, media, TV, radio, it's a very intoxicating element. You start to, as Chet would say, you start to believe your own press <laughs> and you need the next buzz by thinking you're going to control people because you're getting a lot of adulation all the time. And now you need something else. You get real distorted and it's a mental illness. I, I'm i upset because this is still my profession. Mm-hmm. This is happening in in my profession that I was in for 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And I hate hearing stories like that. Right. Yeah, it's but terrible. I did speak with someone about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I won't mention the woman's name. Mm-hmm. But she sat here and said it was just part of the business well, back that's right. then. That's right. It was just acceptable. Right, and right. She was, and she was a victim of it. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Because men would just sort of demean women, and that's certainly not okay. I mean, it's not okay at all. So I guess it's good that it came out and hopefully it stops. I mean, look at a powerhouse like a guy like Bill O'Reilly. 
He's very arrogant. He's very good at what he did. But he got to a position over the years that he just thought he was above and beyond and that he could do all that stuff. And, of course, he denies it. But if you just look at his basic personality, you know that that kind of arrogance breeds potentially that kind of behavior. You know, where you just think you could do that. And the stuff that I used to read about is throwing his wife down the stairs. I mean, there was a lot of bad stories about it. Yeah. And he vehemently denies it, like he's always the victim. And he's never going to fess up to that. He's not going to do that. If he was sitting here right now, he'd be yelling and screaming and telling me what a moron I am and how he was a victim of circumstances and that he'd, he would never do anything. But, you know, I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day who actually worked with me at Channel 5, Names Go Unspoken. Yeah. And she said to me, so-and-so says that if you have a group of people that start to get against you, you're in deep doo-doo now. Yeah. And it's true. It's well, the one good thing I'll say if there is one about Matt Lauer is he doesn't deny it. Well, I right, he doesn't deny it. He de and his career is over and now his name is ruined. Does he need the money to work? No, but he's still a young guy. What is he going to do for his head? He's going to yeah. figure something else out. It's not going to be the buzz that he got from doing TV every day. And it's funny, he was, a, I think, a local guy that started at Channel 7 many years ago. I don't that I do not know. Yeah, I he know was he was anchoring. Of, he I, was anchoring. I think he was anchoring back in the seventies for a while at Channel Seven. I know there are people like Leslie Stahl mm -hmm. who started in Boston, right? And Chuck Scarborough. Sure, Chuck Scarborough still. I think he's still in the air in New York, isn't he? I believe he as must far be in his late seventies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the age-old question: mm -hmm. What advice would you give to anybody now? <laughs> that wants to get into the business. Uh, is it harder today? Oh, I think, yeah. Oh, of I course. Don't think it's it, much more competitive. Yeah. It's I don't much, think I could make it. If well, I started over again, mm -hmm. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, it's different, and the world's a different place. Um, it's very commercialized. It's very sensationalized. It's very tabloid. I guess I'm saying the same thing three times over. If you love it and you want to do journalism, I'm sure there are places where you can do journalism. If you want to do TV and I was your TV agent, I would tell you exactly what you're going to have to deal with. That, you know, it's fast and furious. There's no loyalty. You're replaceable in two minutes by the guy next door. <laughs> you're going to have to have a cast iron stomach and come in with an iron shield over you and have low expectations of how long you're going to last somewhere and have realistic, you know, kind, kind of an expectation about who you are and what you are and don't let your head get so so inflated where you don't think you can be replaced in two seconds because they will replace you. You know, the salaries are much lower than they were years ago. But if you like journalism or you want to be on the air, you know, there's some opportunity. But there's a lot of competition, not just so much in your craft on TV, but you know, the internet and, and on phones and, you know, apps and this and that. You're not the only game in town anymore. You know, it's really been, uh, you know, divided up. It's really been polarized. AccuWeather. Oh, please. Oh, I can't stand AccuWeather because <laughs> oh, there's such a long history of knowing that they pay their people nothing. And that, you know, Elliot Abrams, good guy, smart guy. He owns yep. AccuWeather with, I think, Dr. Joel Myers and... It's Sobel, I think. Is Joe, it Sobel. Joe Sobel. No, they yep. did a great job. They're great marketers. But I, you know, BZ Radio has AccuWeather on. They had the BZ Weather guys and AccuWeather. But the B, this is my pet peeve. You build a weather department in your TV station, okay? You bring in people that you want to, you know, represent your TV station because you think they do a good job. Whatever the criteria is that you want them to have, you think they have it. 
So you do that. They build their name. Why would you go out and usurp that by making your TV meteorologist say, here's my AccuWeather forecast? Yeah. Oh, I can't stand that. And I was on TV in Maine. I won't tell you where, but I hated it for a year. And they wanted me to do that. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to bust my tush all day and say, here's my, here's my AccuWeather forecast. Sorry, maybe it's my ego. Hey, here's Mark Rosenthal's forecast of being in the weather kitchen all day, coming up with all the elements and giving you your weather meal that I prepared. Hopefully you'll like it because I worked hard for it. This is, but it's from me. It's not from some other brand name. I, I would have this conversation. I'm saying, so you have AccuWeather that is in local newspapers, in hotels, online, and then you're going to be in competition with yourself and usurp your weather department by making them say that. Would you go on WBZ-TV and say, uh, here's my CNN newscast <laughs> or here's my Fox newscast? Would you usurp your, your good name at WBZ? No. So so why would you do it in weather when research shows the number one reason people turn on TV and radio is to see and to hear the latest weather forecast? All right. Right? Oh, it's just really... No, well, it makes me not happy. It 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 drives me crazy when I can listen to Elliot Abrams on BZ Radio right. and then turn on WTIC in Connecticut. He's there and too. There he is. Again. No, that's fine. No, that's free. That's that's free market. That's fine. I hope he's in all you know fifty states. They do a great job. All I'm saying is for a TV station, you don't have enough. You don't have enough buzz in your brand that you need to say, "Here's my Aki weather forecast." This is kind <laughs> of a difficult question, and I I don't mean it to be, but I got to ask it. Sure. Does AccuWeather take work away from you? Well, they're they're sure potentially. Yeah, they they you know they're a competitor. Fair question. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, you know, I've talked to people when I've tried to solicit new you know radio stations to do weather for them. I'd say you know hey blah 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 Mark Rosenthal blah, love to do weather for you. Well, gee Mark, that would be great, but we use AccuWeather. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, are you happy with them? And they go, yeah, they're great. I said, okay. I said, how do you feel about having a weather service? That's based in Pennsylvania, forecasting in Boston. Yeah. Well, we don't have a problem with it because they have such great brand, you know, recognition. I said, okay, fine, great, I, good luck. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like somebody in Pennsylvania broadcasting weather. And well, because it's not your local hometown flavor, you yep. know, but they're very smart. Elliot Abrams and company, smart marketers. They have smart people working with them. They, I think they're still involved in producing TV graphics and TV shows for people, smaller TV stations across the country and providing them with weather. They're into everything. You know, there's, you know, WSI Corporation up in Bill Ricker that does the same kind of thing. But they're more of graphics and, you know, private private industry and aviation and what have you. All right. Let's talk about what you're doing now. I had my internet on the other day and I heard a guy named Rosenthal on 99 point, Easy 99.1. Yep. I, I love them. They're great. WPLM in Plymouth, Easy 99.1. I'm glad I'm on the air there. I've always wanted to be on the air down there. It's a nice radio station. They play great music. Uh, I'm having the time of my life doing it. So how many radio stations do you work for? Now? I have 12 radio stations I do weather on right now. Plus, I have my website, which I can do actually green screen TV from my house. So I have a little website called weatherblast.com. <laughs> and uh, I'm in a virtual studio, meaning I'm just, you know, in front of a green screen. But I put up a fake studio. It looks like I'm in the studio. And basically, when there's no storms, I'm just doing basic weather. So weather headline today, tonight, and the five-day forecast, because that's what people want. But during a storm, I can capture all these maps from the internet, radar, satellite loops, and weather maps, and da 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 da. Anything I want to do, it's not, I make snowfall maps and uh, go on and do a whole. It's like I'm doing TV. It's great. All right. Last but not least, are there any 
Is there any particular fond memory that you have of a person or people that will always stand out? I mean, the Marlowe Thomas story is one of mine. I I I I, I met Art Linkletter once. Mm-hmm. He was in BZTV, and mm-hmm. we had we had gotten Art Linkletter when BZ Radio celebrated their 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And Linkletter was one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. And when I found out he was at BZTV, I went over there and said, listen, have you got 10 or 15 minutes to come over to BZ Radio and do an interview? And he said, listen, if we haven't got time, we'll make time. That's awesome. And and somebody told me later they didn't know who had a bigger grin on their face, me or Linkletter. That's awesome. And I'm wondering if you have any memories or recollections like that. Um, I would probably, you know, just say in local TV, I think I was uh, blessed to uh, to be at Channel 5 with Bob Copeland and Dick Albert. I had so much fun with them. I mean, just I just an enormous amount of fun. I remember flying down to Florida with them for, for a weather conference one year to Tampa, Florida. We all hung out together and we, we just had a hell of a time. And we were we were good friends as well as great colleagues. And, you know, I guess the thing that I really miss um as an extension of your question, is the camaraderie of going into work every day and being with my fellow, you know, meteorologists and really having a face-to-face time with them about the weather and what's going on and sharing that. That to me is really sad. But I, but to answer your question, that, of course, being on, you know, Good, Good, Good Morning America with Spencer Christian, I'll just tell you a really quick story. When I was there my first day, Charlie, uh, Charlie Gibson came into the weather office, knocked on the door. I said, hey, I said, hey, you're Mark Rosenthal. He goes, yeah. I said, hey, I just wanted to come by. My name is Charlie Gibson. Yeah, he goes, like uh, tell me who you are. Right, right, right. So very, very self-effacing. And said, I just wanted to welcome you. You're from CVB. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, we're so glad you're here. If you need anything, please, please let me know. I mean, what a guy. He was yeah. unbelievable. So down to earth. And back then he was a mega superstar. Yep. He was great. Yeah, just I like so, Charlie. I love Charlie. He Gibson. was so good and so nice to me and so nice on the air. So when I think of all the people that I work with, I guess those are the stories that, that I think about, you know. Well, I will tell you, it has been a joy for me to sit down and be able to talk with you. Well, same here. Thank you. You are a credit to the media Thank and you. a credit to the Boston and a credit to the weather itself. Thank you very much. And I thank my, you so pleasure. much. Thank you. For taking time to come in here today and talk about it's yourself just, uh, and I'm the honored weather. to be with you. Thank you.